Welcome to another edition of the Bible in the News. This is Jonathan Bowen joining you. This week we will go to the Jerusalem Conference in Israel. But before we go to Jerusalem, a quick glance elsewhere. While the world watches the U.S. primaries for the upcoming presidential election, other political earthquakes have been erupting around the globe. This week, President Musharraf of Pakistan was pummeled in the polls. Calls for his resignation have been sounded around the country, creating a degree of instability in the war on terror. Cuba's President Castro has finally stepped down, opening the way for change with one of the last Cold War adversaries of the United States. The Serbian province of Kosovo declared independence this week. The U.S., France, the United Kingdom, Germany, Australia, Turkey, and Italy have all so far recognized Kosovo. This has added to global instability. Russia has reacted strongly to the declaration of independence and current recognition by Western nations. This week, Britain's Daily Telegraph depicted Putin as cracking the old hammer down on Eastern Europe, signifying turning back to former Russian policies of global domination. Russia's news service Novosti quoted Sergei Ivanov, the Russian first deputy prime minister, as stating, I am convinced that the recognition of Kosovo has set a precedent. The system of international law that we have lived under for almost a century is being undermined. The article went on to quote Ivanov, who said the declaration would open a Pandora box of declarations of independence as de facto independent republics across the world ask themselves the question, how are we any different? Well, Ivanov's prediction seems to have some weight. A BBC headline stated on Tuesday, Palestinians may declare state. The article stated, a senior Palestinian official has said the Palestinians ought to unilaterally declare a state if peace talks with Israel do not succeed. Yasser Abed Rabo is a top aide to Palestinian leader Mahmoud Abbas and a member of the team currently negotiating with Israel officials. He said the Palestinians deserved independence more than Kosovo. His comments come a day after the talks between Mr. Abbas and Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Omeret closed without visible progress. Kosovo is no better than us. We deserve independence even before Kosovo. And he asked for the backing of the United States and the European Union for our independence. Arat Sheva reported, however, that PA chairman and Fatah leader Mahmoud Abbas ruled out the idea, suggested Wednesday morning by Yasser Abed Rabo, a co-founder of the Palestinian Liberation Organization known as the PLO. We will pursue negotiations in order to reach a peace agreement during 2008 that include the settlement of all final status issues, including Jerusalem, said Abbas in a statement. If the talks reach a deadlock, he added, we will go back to our Arab nation and take the necessary decision at the highest level. This brings us to Jerusalem and the 5th Annual Jerusalem Conference. Responding to the overall threat of militant Islam and the proposition of dividing Jerusalem, former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu addressed the 5th Annual Jerusalem Conference Wednesday. His comments are of great interest as we watch the Bible in the news. Militant Islam is uh, the force that threatens our world and is threatening Israel directly. Uh, it is posing um, an unconventional and a conventional threat to our future. The unconventional threat is clear. It is uh, ticking away in the East. Our policy should be clear. 
it should be that Iran must not acquire nuclear weapons, period. The conventional threat is also clear and yet uh, is not understood or at least is not challenged by the uh, present government's position and indeed by successive governments. The um, conventional threat of militant Islam uh, spearheaded by Iran is to build uh, militant Islamic bases uh, in the heart of the Middle East. Specifically, um, militant Islam is rolling over the politics of Lebanon and has established a mini-state there with uh, the Hezbollah proxies of Iran. It has uh, established a similar base uh, in uh, the Gaza district. Both of these were done with the assistance uh, of unwitting Israeli governments. The first uh, Response, the first withdrawal, hasty withdrawal from Lebanon, enormously facilitated the rise of Hezbollah. Uh, and the second uh, unilateral withdrawal from Gaza uh, brought Hamas to power. Both of them enabled these places to be penetrated uh, and stockpiled with uh, tremendous armaments. We have been rocketed by 4,000 rockets in the Galilee, roughly the same number in the south. And so the first thing that we have to ask is, what to do, and I ask what not to do. What not to do is to build a third militant Islamic base right here in the heart of Jerusalem and above Tel Aviv. That would be a tremendous, tremendous mistake. Former Prime Minister Netanyahu clearly states that Hamas in Gaza and the Hezbollah in Lebanon are proxy armies of Iran. Iran is identifiable in the scriptures as Persia, who would be allied with Russia in Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 5. These proxy armies are doing the will of Iran. Israel National News reported Wednesday, Iran's fundamentalist president, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, unleashed a fresh round of threats against threats Wednesday against Israel, calling the only Jewish country in the world a filthy microbe and a savage animal. Speaking to an Islamist rally in the southern city of Bandar Abbas that was broadcast on national television, Ahmadinejad told supporters, world powers have created a black and dirty microbe named, named the Zionist regime and have unleashed it like a savage animal on the th nations of the region. We can certainly see the calcification of positions in the Middle East as the stage is being set for the great conflict prophesied millennia ago by the word of God. This hatred of God's people is one of the catalysts for the invasion of the Middle East. Ezekiel 38 verse 16 describes Gog and his confederacy coming up against my people Israel. Netanyahu went on to discuss the importance of keeping Jerusalem united. But especially because we're dealing with the Jerusalem conference, the argument is that if we have an agreement that encompasses Jerusalem, this will bring the end to the conflict. Well, I beg to differ. We're uh, sitting in a, in a place that is uh, adjacent to the most explosive uh, square kilometer on earth. We have here the holy sites of the three uh, great monotheistic uh, religions. The uh, Western uh, wall of, of the Jewish temple, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and the, uh, uh, and the uh, Dome of the Rock. So Christianity, Islam, and Judaism uh, are all here. This comment is particularly interesting when you put it against Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 3. 
And in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. All that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all the people of the earth be gathered together against it. Hatred of God's people, the Jewish people, and controversy over the city of Zion are the issues that will precipitate this great conflagration. Netanyahu identifies the city of Jerusalem as the catalyst. However, somehow, before the great invasion, there must come a time of peace and stability. How will this come to pass? We do not know. But it is interesting to listen to the political agenda of the former Prime Minister as he lays out his platform and vision for the future. If you want the peace of Jerusalem, keep Jerusalem united under Israel. But if you want to break that peace, not only locally, but internationally, amid the three great faiths, then proceed with what apparently is being done right now, which is to uh, break uh, our sovereignty in Jerusalem. That this is happening, I have no doubt. We hear uh, senior Palestinian officials saying that Jerusalem is uh, on the table, that it will be given up, that it is... Uh, uh, we hear it officially and we hear it unofficially. The government is denying it. The Prime Minister said, well, Jerusalem won't be settled before everything else is settled, meaning we'll only concede it after we concede everything else. But if it walks like a duck, it looks like a duck, they're carving up Jerusalem. That's what they're doing right now. So what should we do? Well, first of all, we should neutralize the arming of Iran with nuclear weapons. Secondly, we should not build um, Iranian bases in our doorsteps. Third, we have to ensure that Jerusalem remains united in our hands. Fourth, we must keep security in our hands. Fifth, the only real progress that we can make with our Palestinian neighbors here in Judea and Samaria is in economic progress. Economic progress and economic peace does not substitute for a political negotiation. It does not uh, solve, if you want to call it, or resolve Palestinian aspirations, political aspirations. I'm talking about those who do not want to jettison into the sea. It does not pretend to do it. It never did it anywhere. It didn't do it in Ireland. It didn't do it in Cyprus. It didn't do it in uh, some of the Balkan states. You have enduring conflict, enduring disagreements, enduring political, ethnic, and historic conflicts between groups and nations. But what we've seen is that where you've had economic progress, the extent, the acuteness of these conflicts is mitigated substantially. And I think what we can engender right now, when Israel, while Israel keeps security, is to focus on four or five projects for economic advancement. I would include another component here, and that is regional cooperation, especially with Jordan, to include them in this uh, arrangement as well. And to get economic growth, does that solve the problem? Well, it helped. Tony Blair told me that in Ireland it took a long time, but the economic miracle in southern Ireland what we call the Republic of Ireland, certainly influenced the people in Northern Ireland, the warring parties. And they said, we want to partake in this too. It helped usher in the Good Friday Agreement, which took another 10 years to develop, and it's still an ongoing process. If you look at Cyprus, a divided, uh, a divided island, still hasn't been resolved, but you see the tremendous economic growth because of economic reforms in Greek Cyprus, and now it's percolating into Northern Cyprus. And again, you can see the same phenomenon in the other Balkan states. That's a realistic process that we should under, undertake.
That's what our government would do once we get in, and I believe there's a very good chance that we will get in. Here we see the platform of the Likud party in Israel, peace through prosperity. Interestingly, the Bible paints a picture where peace and prosperity go hand in hand prior to the great invasion. Ezekiel 38 verses 10 to 12 tell us, Thus saith the Lord God, It shall come to pass that at the same time shall things come up into thy mind, and thou shalt think an evil thought, and thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages, I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls, and having neither bars nor gates, to take a spoil and to take a prey, to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations, which have gotten cattle and goods and dwell in the midst of the land. Should Mr. Netanyahu be given a mandate to form a government, and be able to deliver on his promise, he may well be setting the stage for the invasion spoken of. We'll have to wait and see. Netanyahu went on to speak about a Western world that was unprepared to meet the challenges of a Middle Eastern war and the threat of Islam. Interesting that Ezekiel describes the merchants of Tarshish and the young lions being taken by surprise in Ezekiel chapter 38 verse 13. Listen to what he has to say. I began my remarks by saying that militant Islam is a danger to Israel, but a danger to the entire world. It's not clear yet whether the West wakes, has woken up to the full extent of this danger. In fact, I would say uh, it's probably uh, true that they, it is not. There's uh, this pattern, this cyclicality that Churchill once spoke about of, uh, of this uh, sleep, the sleep of, uh, uh, the, sleep of uh, the democracies, and that they are only woken up by the jarring gong of danger, usually when it's uh, about to be too late. So far they've woken up in time, but not really. Because the last time we've had um, uh, a totally um, uh, implacable ideology, a very violent one, actually messianic in the form of Nazism, uh, they didn't wake up in time. Yes, the West was saved, but we know how many millions died, including millions of our own people. And the jury is out whether the West has the power to uh, roll back uh, this current danger. Where it's going to be tested, where that question will be tested, uh, is uh, throughout the world, in the Middle East, in the distant Middle East too, in parts of Asia, in Europe, but above all it's going to be tested here, in the land of Israel, in the city of Jerusalem. Let us not fail that test. Thank you. Netanyahu has told the world not to sleep but to watch. The world may be asleep and especially the Western countries in which so many of us live. But while the world is asleep and unaware of the impending conflagration in the Middle East, let us take comfort from the Scripture. We read in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 to 10, But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh on them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of the darkness. Therefore let us not sleep, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. 
For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that, whether we sleep, whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Let us not fail this test. To listen to Netanyahu's speech and ongoing coverage of the Jerusalem Conference, go to www.israelnationalnews.com. Tune in next week for another edition of the Bible in the News, www.bibleinthenews.com. This has been Jonathan Bowen joining you.